Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series. My name is Michele Napolitano. I'm a senior director in Fitch's Global Sovereign Group, and I head up the Western Europe team. I'm joined by Alex Muscatelli today, a member of our Western Europe team and one of our analysts covering the Spanish sovereign rating. Today we are here to talk about Spain's recent political developments from a credit perspective. So, Alex... Prime Minister-designate Pedro Sánchez failed to form a government last week. Are we surprised by this development? Thank you, Michele. To some extent, yes, we are surprised. Sánchez's Socialist Party had been the clear winner of the general election held at the end of April, with PSOE the largest party by far, obtaining as many seats as the second and third parties combined. At the same time, the 123 seats were still well short of the needed majority of 176, and so the need for other parties' support was there from the start. When we affirmed Spain's ratings in June, at A- with a stable outlook, we had indicated that we expected a PSOE-led government. The most likely source of support for Sánchez appeared to be the left-wing Unidas Podemos, either through external support for a PSOE-only government or a formal coalition. Coalition talks between the two parties broke down, hence the unsuccessful confidence vote on July the 25th. The breakdown did not appear to be due to divergences on the policy platform, but simply about the division of ministries between the two parties. Okay, so what happens next? What are the next steps here? There will be fresh negotiations, which can last up to two months, after which there may be a new mandate for the Prime Minister leading to a new investiture vote towards the end of September. If this were to fail, Parliament would be dissolved and there would be elections in November. We believe that Spanish politicians will try to avoid another parliamentary election, which would be the fourth since December 2015. Again, this would require PSOE and Podemos to reach an agreement and would also require support from some of the regional parties. A combination of PSOE and the Liberal Ciudadanos would also have a majority, but this currently appears a very remote possibility. So, with potentially the fourth election in just under four years on the horizon, is Spain becoming an ungovernable country? I would say that is a slight exaggeration, as uh, we have had governments that have been short-lived for specific reasons and specific developments over the past years. It is true, however, that since 2015, the Spanish political system turned from being one with two main national parties to one with four national groups. And since April, we have had a fifth one in the right-wing Vox. In the past 40 years, Spanish governments have always been one-party governments, either with outright majorities or with the support of regional parties. So coalition building is not commonplace, at least at a national level. And so this is a, it is an interesting test now to see how the political system in Spain adapts. Let's talk about the rating now, the credit perspective. Does this continued political instability have an impact on our credit assessment of Spain? We think that this uh, political instability will have a limited impact on the credit metrics that we look at more closely. Public finance data so far this year are consistent with our expectation of a moderate decline in the general government deficit to 2.2% of GDP from 2.5% in 2018. Our expectation of policy continuity meant that our fiscal forecasts for 2020 
currently factor in tax-raising measures that the previous Sanchez government had tried to introduce in the 2019 budget. And that, just as a reminder, it was Parliament's failure to approve that budget that brought about the election in April. These measures would be worth around 5.5 billion euros. The main ones are a limitation of corporate tax exemptions with a minimum rate and a tax on financial transactions and digital services. Meanwhile, our spending projections currently assume slower spending growth in 2020 as we assume that pension increases introduced in late 2018 will not be repeated. Moreover, this year, there is some uncertainty also on, the pu on public spending related to the financing of regional governments. Other things equal, our deficit forecast for 2020 would be revised up to 1.8% of GDP from 1.4% without the new tax measures. This would still imply a decline in the government debt-to-GDP ratio over the next two years, but at a, a slower pace. However, when we look at growth dynamics, the Spanish economy has remained relatively untroubled, both by domestic political uncertainty and soft growth elsewhere in the Eurozone. In our June Global Economic Outlook, we increased our GDP growth forecast for 2019 to 2.3% from 2.1% after a stronger than forecast first quarter and still robust growth in Q2. Business sentiment remains solid, residential investment is rising, and while consumer confidence has been volatile in recent months, it is still high. Nevertheless, we expect growth to slow towards its potential over the next two to three years and forecast growth of 1.7% in 2020 and 1.6% in 2021. Okay, let me ask you uh, a bit more about the, the medium-term prospects. Does this political uncertainty have an impact on economic policy implementation and potential structural reforms? I think you can argue that a series of caretaker governments or short-lived governments makes it more difficult to implement reform measures that could raise Spain's growth potential and allow for a longer, more sustainable economic expansion and increase the economy's resilience to imbalances. We indicated in June that an increased confidence of improved growth potential alongside the reduction in public and external indebtedness as sensitivities for a positive rating action. Talking about sensitivities, I must ask you about uh, Catalonia. The rating sensitivities for the Spanish sovereign rating include on the positive and the negative an impact from the relationship between the Spanish government and the regional government in Catalonia. How does the potential election affect relations? In our view, a PSOE-led government points to less risk of a near-term escalation in tensions with the Generalitat, as, in our view, PSOE's stance is more conciliatory compared to the centrist and centre-right parties. In fact, the more left-leaning of the two Catalan nationalist parties, Esquerra Republicana, abstained on the second confidence vote. And the abstention of the ERC would be necessary to allow the formation of a government in September. At the same time, the perceived more conciliatory stance towards Catalan nationalism and the stance of PSOE on some regional alliances after the regional elections reduces greatly the chance that either the Popular Party or Ciudadanos may allow a Sanchez-led government to be formed. And underlying tensions and risks remain, and there are potential flashpoints in the near future, 
for example, linked to the outcome of the judicial proceedings currently taking place against Catalan nationalist politicians and officials following the events of late 2017. And progress towards resolving these will also depend on political developments within Catalonia. Thanks for those insights, uh, Alex, and thank you all for listening. You can access the most recent Fitchwire comment on Spain that we published on the 31st of July, along with our other sovereign research on Fitch's website. We hope you join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests. Thank you.